Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Special extra issue, Loki season one. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. Welcome, variants, to our spoiler-filled review of the first season of Loki, the last in Disney's initial foray into MCU television adaptations. The story follows Loki after he was arrested by the Time Variance Authority for stealing the Tesseract in the in-game version of the Battle for, your no- for New York. And then it, he teams up with an alternate female timeline version of himself to find out who is really controlling the timeline and stop them in the Citadel beyond the void. <laughs> who says getting into new Marvel stories is confusing? Obviously, there's lots of little mini details throughout it, but that covers the broad brushstrokes. Um, I want to start this issue uh, with a question that I think is the most pressing. Um, you're in Loki's place. Uh, you've been taken by the timeline. You run into a version of yourself. Uh, are you fighting or are you fucking your alternate timeline self? Adam. Definitely fucking. It's a very easy answer for me. <laughs> Unless I think, like, I think even if they were like, I'm assuming they're like less attractive than I currently perceive myself what? to be. And it'd still be like, I like them. I like this. They're, they're such what? a great person. What if it's a child or alligator version of yourself? Oh, I no didn't. For, I forgot to mention <laughs> it's an alligator version of yourself. That's going to bite off your dick. <laughs> Aren't both of them valid questions for that? Well then, I yeah, like, then you have to, I mean, you can't fight the, chi- well, yeah, it's a lose, lose on the child. It's a, I was it's definitely tell- a change. I was a hundred percent like, of course I'd fuck him. And I was like, wait, most of these ones I wouldn't fuck of Loki's versions. I would, <laughs> if I, if I was me and I was sleeping with like, you know, the presidential candidate one, cause they're kind of the same person looking then yes. Fuck how, uh, how Loki. is uh, the blowjob before they bite the dick off is the, is my main question. <laughs> toothy. It's toothy. Yeah. Alligators yeah. do not do anything like that other than just straight up bite. Well, yeah, I was like, you. I mean, I'm not going to go too far into this, but you don't even get, I can't imagine unless you had a really it long penis, so you could get down the throat. So then you're just getting like mouth. That's yeah. weird. Sorry, Adam, you can't get down the throat. <laughs> uh, am I the only one that would probably say fight? Because I think that's kind of on brand. I would meet the variant version of myself, immediately get annoyed at him and be I like, mean, we're in a fight now. If we yeah. met your variant, we would kill him too. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but but hey, according to you, my variant was Vakalen, which y'all all like. That's mm, true. Yeah, <laughs> just an alligator on the beach <laughs> drinking a margarita. <laughs> Boca Raton, Kalen. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, where do you stand on this debate? Um, I would definitely fuck them, but then kill them afterwards. So yeah, the answers are endless. Yeah. Uh, my answer is I would kill them and then fuck them. <laughs> Both, Both are accurate. That's, I yeah, guess, harsher. That's allowable on the timeline. Okay, so we've talked a lot before in the other series about kind of what our expectations were going in and how we feel by the end. Um, kind of first, how did you guys feel about this series as a whole now that we've reached the final conclusion of you know, learning that the TVA is a farce and that it's being run by some version of Kang. Caitlin. I, you know, I rewatched the series over the last couple of days and knowing that it's a season one uh, kind of uh, adjusted my expectations of it, I think. And I, I, I enjoyed it because of like where it ultimately went. I think it had a strong start, a very saggy middle, um, and then like kind of a swerve ending, which we've talked about on our regular podcast. But, um, you know, there was a moment when I initially watched the last episode and I was like, how are they going to wrap this all up? And then when I realized they weren't, I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. Like, like it's not making any kind of a pretense of trying to wrap stuff up. Um, so I, I generally enjoyed it, but it, it's not without its flaws, which I know we're going to talk about, uh, you know, throughout this podcast. Ryan, I liked it. It probably was the strongest for me in terms of, uh, all the Disney shows that came out, but I will say the finale was phenomenal. 
Um, I think that was the best finale that we got between the three. Um, with that said, it does feel more like a traditional TV show more than the other ones. It feels like th- the other ones are trying to get to a place at some point. And this one just feels like, hey, Loki's around. You know what I mean? Like he's got like a wife. Don't worry about it. They they sit, they sit, they watch TV together. Um, they have tropes that they did like um it felt more like that where I, it, when the season two was announced that it was going to happen, I was like, Yeah, I I know. I already knew. I knew before I knew. You know what I mean? It, it felt a little bit like that. Adam? Um, I think it's great for the MCU, which I know we'll talk about, but I think as a standalone, like, six-episode show, I do think it was the weakest of the three TV shows because I think it didn't really have the its own story it wanted to tell. So, you know, obviously Falcon dealt with race, WandaVision dealt with grief and loss. I don't think Loki really had... It had, like, interesting concepts, but it also had a Loki that had to be reintroduced and growing in this versus Falcon and Wanda just being able to be themselves and have all of their history already in place. So I think that was kind of the, it's funny that it's the shortest because it's actually the weakest journey, obviously, and it probably needed a little bit more time to breathe and get these people to settle. Clark? I mean, Loki grew for the first three issues and then did nothing after that. This didn't feel like a show that needed to have Loki in it, period. The last issue, the last hmm. issue, doing that. The last episode was the point of the entire series, and right. it could have done. They could have put that in any any issues, any comic, any movie, any TV show ever, and it would have still been about that, and not about the characters before it. I thought this was a waste of my life. This is Doctor Who done poorly. <laughs> and Sylvie is one of the worst characters in the MCU I've seen in my entire life. It's just I, I, Loki was fine, except for it was a rehash of him because in the first two ish uh, episodes. He he became good again. And done. Adam. I will say that I didn't. Mobius, I think, is a really interesting addition. I don't really know if he's gonna do anything. I just thought Owen Wilson uh played him really well. So I do think that there were characters introduced that I'd like to see cycle back in. How? I don't know, but it's just I don't I don't think it was all for naught just for the last uh sequence. So I, my expectation kind of going in, having seen a WandaVision and Fatwas, uh, was, <laughs> you know, I, I believed that they both kind of had a disappointing payoff. So I thought anything better than disappointing would be great. And the appeal of this show to me, because Loki has never been my favorite character, is that there might be some high concept fun ideas. And I think that the way that those really paid out were very satisfying. So um, Loki getting to watch his own death, I thought was great. Um, All of the actual operational stuff around uh, the TVA was fun, the kind of way it's supposed to work. And then the real explanation and justification behind them. I thought those were all very, very enjoyable where I think it really lacked and was disappointing was that it didn't feel like many of the emotional relationships had any meaningful resonance. Um, I wanted to like Hunter B-52, B-15 more. Um, Sylvie was kind of disappointing. Tom Hiddleston is really great at interacting with people, but you're just counting down the minutes until he's hanging out with Mobius again. Right. Kalen. Um, I kind of want to look uh, to branch off on something Clark said. Um, I do think it needed to uh, be. I'm pruning new... this conversation, Kayla. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going now to Elia. No, yeah. um, what what Clark said about, you know, how it uh, didn't need to be even in Loki, like for the final episode, I think it did only because they're trying to set up Loki as a protagonist in this phase of the Marvel Universe. The problem was that his anti-heel turn happened too quickly. Right. Uh, and it happened like over the span of like two episodes. And then right. it sort of dropped for this relationship that we're told to invest in between him and Sylvie, which never worked. I think all five of us agree that like that just felt flat. Uh, some of it's based on the character of Sylvie. Some of it's based on the actor playing Sylvie. Um, so I, I think that was a real kind of a miss. And 
Uh, I wish that maybe we had gotten one more episode or maybe two more episodes to kind of help flush that out a little bit. Let's see more of the rogue Loki early on. Let's see his like his change a little bit more towards the middle of the season rather than like the fucking purple planet where we get a moment of him uh, saying that he's bisexual, which is something that will never be mentioned again in any Marvel property because, you know, Marvel and Disney are chicken shits when it comes to this stuff. Um, but I think that was that was a, a miss for the show. Brent? So let's get into some of the characters a little bit more. Like, I, want, I do want to start with Sylvie because I think um, a lot of you guys also had a problem with the fact that she's not quite Enchantress, she's not quite Lady Loki, and that her character is this um, poor poor uh, amalgam uh obviously you know i don't know i didn't really hate her acting that much but i did feel like a lot of her lines were they're they're kind of like every moment she's at the final fight scene like i gotta kill the tva i gotta destroy the final boss and it wasn't particularly dynamic but what were some ways you might try and update that character or or incorporate it better from the comics clark sylvie um in both well well both um uh, both um i just lost her name in my head anyways both of the versions you just said lady loki and the enchantress are both just regal as fuck and like just naughty as all hell this is just some boring dud who is like kind of the troublemaker and wants to wants to stop some shit it, meh caitlin i stand by my criticism of of sylvie but i will say when i rewatched it I I kind of started identifying with her character a little bit more or at least liking some of her choices because she was so driven to her goal of killing uh, um, whatever he's called him at the end. Um, uh, you know, despite getting all these arguments from Loki, despite saying, if we do this, this could happen. And she still does it anyway. And there is something very identifiable about somebody who has spent their entire existence and like, this is their only function now. Like their entire life was snatched away from them. Their entire environment was snatched away from them. Um, and then that's the only thing that they know. Uh, it's, it's the basis for every revenge story, which we all, you know, we love a lot of them. The problem is that she's seen as a variant of Loki and there is no like Loki-like traits in her. Uh, there is none of that mischief that Clark mentioned. There's none of that, like, you know, deceit that Clark has mentioned. It's just talked about, but it's never really shown. Uh, and I, I, I like, if if she wasn't a Loki variant, I think I would have enjoyed the character more. But Ryan, then the point of the character wouldn't have existed. Go ahead, Ren. Sorry. I would agree. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> you, you want her to be more in a lot of different ways, right? Um, I want her horns on her head to be a little bit larger. Um, I want her to act just a little bit better. Like I want, I just want more from this character. Um, and we got some of her backstory, but I, I don't feel like I still know her. And maybe that's for future seasons, but you should tease it in a way that we're wanting to know more about her. Not knowing like where'd you get your dye job from is it west hollywood <laughs> i i don't i don't think she is i i think she's probably a good actress but i don't think this and maybe because marvel changes the scripts every fucking day when you when you show up on set it's commonly known that like it's going to change all the time i think she didn't know where this character was going to go and i think maybe marvel didn't know either and so I want it to be better, but I, it's, it's tough to watch because her actions just seem erratic and not with purpose. And it, it makes me sad, kind of, because yeah. I, I, I want to like her. Adam, what do you think? I was going to say, I think you just bring up, I think you both brought up really good points that are obviously interconnected. I think that, or all three of you did that, all of these the character is erratic because she's written as more of an expository device and relationship growth for Loki rather than really having fully realized kind of arcs. So I think her, the actress, I could imagine, uh, and I forget her name, but I'm sure you're, I mean, 
Second episode, she's mysterious. Third episode, she's like a rabble rouser. Couple of other episodes, she's growing. The last episode, she's like enraged. I do appreciate the way they they put her character in of like it's a character suffering from trauma, which I can totally understand. It was just like it was a. I don't think they really knew. I think you're exactly right, Ryan. That they want what exactly they wanted from that character beyond the fact that she was moving a lot of the plot along. And I think like we're all saying, much of the show was built to get us to the last episode and the last kind of scenes and and outcomes. Clark? The only time I really liked her was, do you remember the margarita scene? It was the beginning of episode three, where it's yeah. like the yeah. first time we've seen her that's not like when she just appears. And I thought, this character's gonna be fucking awesome. She feels like this is good, good manipulation. Yeah. She's in this world just totally fucking this woman over, but also pretending to be totally fine. If they had kept that characterization, I think she would have been great. And that acting she showed there was, you know, right. correct for what that was. So it's definitely the story, at least in my mind, it's the, it's the characterization and story that did it, not the actress. Yeah. I think that maybe a way of trying to improve that kind of uh, regalness or, or get, maybe giving her a little bit more of a motivation that, that, that would have had a resonance would be if instead of, I think early on, we kind of felt like, Oh, she doesn't, she doesn't want to run the TVA. She wants to destroy the TVA. It was pretty clear from the beginning. And I think that it would be more interesting if she actually did insist that she wanted to run the TVA, but she comes from a perspective of these are the people who stole my kingdom from me. I will take their kingdom from them. That if she, if it was, it would then create a space for Loki to be able to reflect on the power, uh, the power that he's always wanted and how he always wants to rule. But now he's got a fidelity knowing that it's kind of a, a fidelity to Mobius, at least, that that's a kind of a fool's errand. Um, I think that, you know, kind of the, on the opposite side of that, we've got, you know, Mobius, who is who looks on a character like Loki with a lot of pity uh, and maybe some understanding. Why do you think uh, he works so well as a character? What could they do with him going forward? Kaylin? Um, Well, it's Owen Wilson playing him. Uh, Owen, I mean, he's just such a charming guy. I mean, he's kind of playing similar roles throughout his career, mostly in Wes Anderson movies, but like, God, I love that character so much. Um, just him saying, wow, will make me happy. <laughs> but I, I also like, on a personal level, I like a character who is trying to um, work within a system. Like, you know, he's he's a bureaucrat with a, like, you know, with a, like, kind of a heart of gold. Um, and then he realizes that, like, everything, like, that he's worked for is, is a lie. It's wrong. And he's got to kind of rebel against it. That's a that's a character archetype that I really kind of like and I kind of identify with sometimes. Um, so, you know, I don't think we've had someone really like that in the MCU very much. I think they could have kind of done that with like uh, Phil Coulson or like you know, another like agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that, but it never really kind of came together. Um, so him and his chemistry off of Tom Hiddleston like, God, that was like my favorite part of the series early on. It's just, I could just see the two of them sitting in the cafeteria at the TVA, just, you know, shooting the shit, you know, uh, Loki stealing his salad to try to make a fucking analogy that isn't quite, you know, doesn't quite work. I Like, that just made me so happy. Adam. Yeah, I, I definitely liked uh, Mobius. I liked Loki overall as the show when it was like the cartoony, not cartoony, but like, it just had a little bit more heart and excitement to it. And I thought that was kind of more on the front end. Uh, and just in general, like I said, the everything that, that Owen Wilson was able to do with that character without even having that much uh, real arc or growth to go on. But like his relationship with Ravona was really interesting. Just everyone he interacted with like really sold. And I appreciate it. It wasn't really like a father-son relationship, maybe like an older brother, but I, there was such a good connection um, between them, the chemistry was just very on fire. And that really actually, I think, what we were talking about really saved the show in the first couple of episodes as it was kind of really picking up steam. Ryan. Yeah, we're in like a nice place right now where we can create someone or do a sort of minor character within the MCU and blow them out. Sorry <laughs> for that term. Um, we, we, we can... Uh, expand their range in terms of like actually making them a viable smart 
like integral part of like the MCU right now. Um, and I think he is exactly in that. So I think we're going to see him a lot more because he, he does and to incorporate Hollywood like themes, he tests well. So like he does well in like a lot of situations, he would bounce off <laughs> of a lot of people. He gives me a lot of like agent Colson vibes, like back in the day. Um, he could pop in wherever he wants. And I think they knew that when they cast him so they can kind of sort of do that. Um, He's going to be around for a while because he is a great character and he is going to be way better than whatever he did in the comics too. Like it's going to be so much more interesting. Clark? Clark? Never mind. Okay, you're over. (laughs) Okay. You hate him. Now you hate him. Now you hate him. (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't want to ruin this good run of uh, good times uh but no i was going to quickly say that i think to your point ryan i'm just uh very excited about almost every single phase four character that's been introduced so far both tv and uh movie so i'm just it's like i think you're exactly right like once you start adding up all these people they could start pulling through and threading through stuff i'm like oh this is great you know they're real they're starting off even more interesting half the time than many of the original avengers or other characters had to because they were starting in much shittier uh mediums i think and if they introduce so many characters that are like this where you're just like taking it to the street where there's just like street level people that don't really have powers wouldn't that be fun wouldn't yeah. that like just like uh make it a disney plus show honestly like people would love it it's literally going to, that I can already see Avenger, the next Avengers, he's going to be on some time traveling ship, just hurting people, watching an explosion happen behind him. Like they always do the characters with no power. They're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hurry, 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 hurry. Come on. Grab a child, roll under the truck. They've got a, an oversized it. gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about some of the villains. Um, uh, so there's a Disney type trope of like having like a pet with a personality or like the physical comedy quirky character and in dramatic roles that often kind of takes the form of like a crazy, you know, the wild card type character that can make things feel more abnormal and off kilter. I definitely think that Miss Minutes is supposed to have that feel, especially for a cartoonish look, but how do you think she was utilized? Uh, Do you like her or is there ways that it could have worked better? Clark? Oh, I didn't know which other villains you were going to do. So, because there's other ones we skipped. Anyways, uh, yeah. Miss Minutes, because um, I want to talk about the other ones. Uh, Miss Minutes, I think, is fucking awesome. I liked how she starts out all cutesy and blah, 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 blah. And then five and six, she's both, she's not evil because I totally get where she's headed with this and, you know, what she's giving to Ravona and stuff like that. But I like how uh, not regimented she is, but just like she knows what she's doing, even though it's really, she's a machine. But anyways, I don't know. Whatever. I'm just fucking loved her. Um, best character not really um, <laughs> well I, I also loved her too I agree there and Clark said what I liked about her is that she was consistent with the aesthetic of the show and it, we haven't really talked very much about that because when she's first introduced she's in that like kind of Mr. Magoo type uh, instructional educational cartoon that Loki has to watch when he gets to the TVA which is like very from it feels like it's from the 1960s or late 1950s which again fits like that kind of bureaucratic aesthetic that the TVA is going for. And so um, it's, I think it's Tara Strong playing the voice of Miss Minutes. Is that right? Um, Like she just does a great job of having this like very sweet Southern, like, you know, like little accent there. And she gets just a little bit more. Do more of it though. (laughs) Don't stop. That's good. I fucking hate all of you. Uh, but it's, uh, but like just that sort of like, she, of course, right. She's not evil, but like a little bit of that sinister turn, especially when, when Ravona is like asking for the files and she's like, don't worry, this is the one that you're going to need. This is the one that he really wants you to have. And I was like, I, I was like, I fucking love it. I love that. She wasn't just this jokey type character. She had a reason to exist and she was integral to the plot as the, the first season culminated. Uh, I was going to say in the Avengers movie, Miss Minutes is going to be blowing up the ship that Mobius is grabbing the child around and rolling. (laughs) People are going to be like, oh my God, oh no, it's Miss Minutes. (laughs) Well, hi, (laughs) y'all. 
<laughs> well, I know I agree that I nothing makes me happier than like a creepy mascot heel turn character because I, I know many of our I, I think Ryan and Brent at least or Clark certainly uh, don't hug me I'm scared like just that oh, yeah. weird ass fucking like take your childhood ruin it for you creep you out even more than you should um, even though you're like an adult that's exactly what that was giving off towards the end I really really liked it she's Paula Dean yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you learn you, like you, you start out you start out thinking that she's Paula Dean from TV and then you find out she's Paula Dean from real life. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk. Let's let's move on to the other two villains and kind of talk a little bit about them and their relationship. So we've got uh, Ravona Lin- Rinslayer um, and Kang, who is perhaps not the conqueror, but he knows he is referred to it in, in himself in that way. Um, we have talked before on the podcast uh, in our different extra issues about uh, each of the episodes. If you haven't listened to those, those are great deep dives on the specifics of them. But I want to get a clarification. Is Ravona his daughter or his girlfriend in the, the comics? There, it, it, at one point, one of them is kind of like a future, like his, his replacement or sometimes Ward and sometimes it was girlfriend. There's different versions of herself. Obviously there's different Kangs and there's different Ravonas as well. So this show should have no judgment of Sylvie and Loki uh, making up with each other if they're going to get that weird. Um, uh, I mean, it was kind of a great. You're so fucking yourself. Yeah. It was a kidnapped ward, so it wasn't like you know she wanted to be there. Ah, uh, okay. That's well, bad. All right. Uh, so one part I think that's uh, I want to talk about about Ravona is that at the end she declares that she's going to go in search of free will. What did you guys think of her devotion to whomever is controlling the timeline, even after she learned that she was tricked? Um, Clark, any thoughts about Ravonna in general? Either? I mean, that wasn't uh, my question. I was going to comment on Hunter B15 as well. I think this series let down its female characters so much. Wumi Musako as a Hunter B15, I talk about her all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, Gugu Mabatha Ra, who played Ravonna, they just, they're brilliant actors but they were so bland it yeah. was outrageous b15 was out of commission in the second ep- episode and then kind of showed up again and they're supposed to be fucking strong characters but they were just like it i it, they almost blew past me in the boringness and except for the fact that, like i love that actress oh wait it's dull oh uh, 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 back and forth and it's better and then connecting that with sylvie i do think the writer let every female character down except for miss minutes sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, quasi-female, that character. Um, and then we'll talk about, I'll talk about Ravona later, but Kaylin. Um, so Ravona is the, the character um, who is the sort of the antithesis to like a, a Mobius type where I talked about, you know, the, the bureaucrat with a heart of gold who like sees the light. Um, Ravona is the bureaucrat who just believes in what she has been uh, like ingrained in her throughout her entire existence. And um, like we've seen people like that, like we've seen a lot of people like that in fiction, you know, like what a good little Nazi she would have made. Um, I do think that there was something missing with the character because I never really quite believed like that she was super sinister when she was being shown throughout the series. And then her search for free will just rang false uh, to me at the end. I, I don't know like why they did that. I think just her in search of like, you know, whoever was behind the TVA would have made a little bit more sense. Um, so, I mean, I would like, I like the actress, Clark is right. I would like to see this character grow and uh, see the full potential, but it, it was just a bit of a miss. Like it, it should have been more of a, like a Del- Dolores Umbridge type. If you want to use uh, a comparison with a, with, I guess now a very problematic, uh, uh, property at this point but um but like someone who is like it's the banality of evil and like that never really came through i don't think that Brent? you could i don't think you could have uh because they obviously want to use her in the future you can construct the character with the same villainy of dolores umbridge because that is a character that you just you hate and you don't maybe maybe you don't really understand or resonate with if they're ever going to need to make a change. But the my takeaway from her line, I'm going in search of free will, was based off of her prior line. There's only one person who has free will, 
and it's he who controls the timeline. So I took that to mean she's going to search oh. for that guy. Adam. Okay. Well, he's dead now. <laughs> As you'll soon find out, there'll be 31 million. Yeah. Very shortly. Um, yeah, no, I, I, Clark, I, your points are really interesting because I was thinking about the fact that even though there are a lot of starring female women in the show, they very rarely have scenes together. I think there's like, there's, you know, there's that uh, B15 and Sylvie scene when she unlocks her memory, which I thought was really cool. Even the whole, like, when the, the kidnapped uh, TVA agent, when they're at the, um, the bar, that I thought was like where there was also good chops from Sylvie. And just, it was really interesting. I thought that was a cool scene. I think there was like a lacking ness of gift and probably what would have been benefited if it had a couple of extra episodes is, and this is what I number one hate is where the on, the show only focuses on the main character versus like building out these extra worlds. And I know, like I always say like Marvel's Netflix shows were terrible at this because the side characters were not interesting or not played by well, like good actors. Whereas I think with, with this show in particular, especially because it's a multi-season show now, they could have afforded to really build out people's journeys. Um, so I, I just hope that they'll be smarter about that for, for future seasons. Um, I want to go to Kang now. And Ryan and Adam, I'll turn to you first because we didn't get to hear your thoughts. What did you guys think of uh, Jonathan Majors playing the role and also just the, the first uh, you know, kind of portrayal as a whole, right? Um, this was uh, reading King for many years. This was a nice interpretation of it, quite literally, because he was just so sweet. Um, <laughs> but also, do I trust hot people? Yes, because they are more trust trustworthy. But um, I I do like that he was like, bitch. Just prepare. I know you want to kill me, Sylvie, with your tiny ass horns and your boring ass plot, but know that there's going to be worse versions of me coming down the line. I like that because I hate her. And also, he is very intriguing. I I, I really enjoy this interpretation. And I, I think it really set the stakes for the rest of the MCU where they were like, hey, I am the one that you go to. I am your calmness. And after that, you're going to get straight up chaos. Some might say multiverse of it, like after me. So like, just prepare because this is about to be crazy. And she still wanted to kill him. She is so dumb. I hate him. He did a great job. I was actually surprised that he showed up, though, um, in, in all the best ways possible. But uh, I, I love him as this role. He is going to kill it because he's going to play so many different roles. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen him in a bunch of stuff before, but like I'm just so excited for this actor to be in this role. I'm, I'm so pumped. You you even told me that he wasn't even going to be in like the final uh, like cut screen or after credit scene. I, I believe I pushed you, you when I said that. Yeah, I was like, "Shut up, Clark! You'll yeah. never see him. This You'll about, never hear yeah, from him." Yeah, and it, it was such a nice treat. Honestly, that's why this is the best finale of all the MCU shows yeah. because it's like truly set up some stuff. Well, because this was originally supposed to be Julia Louis Dreyfus's premiere, and then like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's the best joke ever. Um, but no, I, I agree. I think it was a real chef's kiss because it worked on so many levels. Not only did you get a really big payoff that like kicks off a much like bigger storyline that's obviously going to be looming over the, the MCU for quite some time without maybe not having to build up. You also didn't have either a like lame introduction of Kang where it was so short, you didn't even get to see him but it's also not the Kang you may see in Quantumania or any other version of it. And I think you're exactly right, Ryan. Like he, he played it so well. It was such an interesting character. And I can't wait to see what other types of versions of Kang we might see. Um, and just the whole, the, it was like obviously a very exposition-y episode, but again, for a show that has multiple seasons, that's the last episode you kind of want at the end of the season where it like leads you into like, oh shit, because now I do want to watch season two of Loki, even if I didn't like, even if I didn't love the show, I'm like, they put all the right, 
things into place to really hook me in to want to see more um, after this. Even without the MCU, I was just like, oh, that's a real, I mean, you kind of, it's just like a fun plot line. And when you take time travel like that, so I'm, I'm definitely into more. And again, I think he knocked it out of the park and just all, all very cool stuff. Clark? I was trying to explain that when you said chef's kiss, it was definitely, definitely chef's kiss, but a chef's kiss where like the chef shits in a bucket and then hands it to you and then does the <laughs> <mwah. laughs> You, you yeah, that's like what it. I meant, Clark. Well, exactly. What else could I have meant? You guys were saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, all I'm hearing is more positives. <laughs> um, Kayla. Yeah, I um, agree with everything uh, that's been said. And what I really liked about his performance uh, was that he was so off kilter when he was doing his exposition dump and talking to both L- Loki and Sylvie that I was like, he's a great actor to begin with. Um, but like, you can see how he's going to play potentially different variants of himself. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I'm really fucking excited. I mean, as great as Josh Brolin was as Thanos, I think him as Kang and all the variants of Kang, uh, I think, um, phases four five and six of the MCU, assuming that he is going to remain, um, you know, the big bad, uh, which who knows he may, he may not be, um, you know, they got to bring in Mephisto at some point. Right. Uh, but, uh, but um, no. uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very <laughs> excited. You know, I was just thinking the, uh, as we were talking about like Sylvie and, and when uh, Sylvie and when she kills him, uh, it reminded me so much of like, he was Saddam Hussein and like Sylvie was like George W. Bush or like American foreign policy. And she's like, I got to get rid of him. I got to get rid of him. It's like, you get rid of Saddam Hussein, that's fine. And then you're going to create this like, like power vacuum where like it's going to cause utter like sectarian violence and chaos and that's what's going to happen so um maybe i'm the only one who see who like thought of that analogy but oh uh, no spot uh, on spot on i was like it was so it was cool to watch it on an mcu type show because you're like oh people are learning history essentially i I will say that i i wasn't thinking about that specific power vacuum but (laughs) (laughs) i I was more 1600s balkan empire if you will Um, and i was more of a fever person that at that point just that what were you gonna say clark i said what what kaylin is saying that he loves saddam hussein <laughs> oh the way saddam the hussein just gives exposition it's yes. so um yeah i think kaylin that, was uh, like i met the first version of saddam and he was like so nice he was so nice so ready for everything well kaylin. so you you guys uh, let's put yourselves in the position of sylvie and loki um, you are able to find out, you find out your, you know, that according to him, what do we the find top, out, Brad? What do we find out? The, well, what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, the <laughs> timeline is actually the TBA is created in order to stop himself. Um, you can either fight him or fuck him. Which do you want to do? <laughs> no. Uh, would you rather kill him or, uh, would you take over the TVA or is there some third move that uh you would like uh us to explore kaylin uh i would take over the tva and then find a less like despotic way of trying to govern it uh i would probably fail and become even a worse despot because that's my lot in life but uh i'm i'm ultimately a pragmatist at heart and i think loki's arguments would have and his uh uh him at who whatever he's calling himself him at the end uh, why can't I like, was he boy, who remains, right? Wasn't that what I was? He who remains. Right. Why am I calling him at the end? He who remains. <laughs> him uh, at the end. <laughs> that guy over there. <laughs> he finished <laughs> me off. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like those arguments would have like completely swayed me. I'm like, you know, I don't know where this me doing taking this action where this will will lead me. And ultimately, like I think my um my prag- pragmatic side would would prevail. Adam, yeah, I would I would agree with that because I was like I always it's really a D and D alignment chart, right? Like I think he who remains is obviously lawful. Sylvie's probably chaotic, and I think Loki was kind of neutral. I'm assuming Loki was going to use kind of your idea, Kaylin, we were talking about. And I normally kind of tip myself more towards chaotic, but I definitely find I'm in the same position as you, where it's like. If someone was telling you that if they died, 31, you know, however many fucking other people are going to be showing up from the 31st century 
to take back over your planet. And like, he's going to like, he, he literally said he was just going to like disappear and call it a day. It just seemed odd to be like, well, let's kill him. Cause I was like, that threat seems kind of important to like really think about and concern yourself with. So that's, I don't know. I, yeah, I couldn't, I could understand her in her mind why she did it just because of, again, the way the character was written, but also dealing with all that childhood trauma and that life. But it just, I could never do it unless I experienced what Sylvie's experienced, I think. That's all she said she was going to do. She's like, I'm going to fucking kill that guy throughout the entire show. <laughs> You're like, well, what? Oh, now it's your opportunity to kill him. What do you want to do? She's like, oh, I guess I'll think about it. Right. Uh, Ryan. Um, I've done no research online, obviously. But I would assume that most people, if you, they were like, would you agree with Sylvie or would you not? I would say 1000% would not agree with her. And <laughs> I think those facts are holding up to this day. So let's post a poll. And just That's actually that a great one. idea. But like, uh, no, no, no one agrees with Polls me. can't be trusted, Ryan. We just went through an election. <laughs> <laughs> good point, good point. My apologies. <laughs> I was going to say about 40% probably would still kill him. Yeah, right? I've been dumb. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the people who haven't taken the vaccine yet? Exactly. You just have, wait, yeah, if you just posted a Facebook article about how bad He Who Remains is, it's over for him. <laughs> yeah. A lot uh, of people on the internet are saying. Um, I just had a quick thought. Um, since he referenced himself being from the 31st century, do we think that in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we'll see the original 31st century Ooh. version of the guardians because that's where they that's where they originated uh, right. yeah but uh, that version was such garbage that they introduced <laughs> it was so it stupid. is but it, it is but i kind of loved it as a kid I, I i gotta tell you i wasn't mad at it as a kid i don't think it's yeah. held up but no i get it but the even the mcu version is pretty terrible <laughs> yeah they they already showed him they already showed them they did that was just a good easter egg they're not going to make them have a real plot okay yeah, we'll uh, never know. I, I do want to move into some of the themes uh, since we were just discussing, uh, you know, allowing the timeline to exist as it is. I kind of am in the camp of uh, Sylvie was right to stab him because I don't think that you can allow the TVA to exist and also the notion that people have free will. And I'm curious what where you guys think the MCU is going to go on allowing these the multiverse to continue allowing these interactions to happen even if they create destruction you're such an anno-capitalist anarcho-capitalist why do i want all these dummies to have free will if it's going to end up with that millions of people millions of versions of this monster yeah i think there's like a trade-off to versus like the typical could you control everybody within your own on your own planet or something like that um but I, I do think that they are what I really worry about as you just it's a great question because I worry now there's going to be like Kang Omega and they're going to or Kang Prime and then they're going to kill Kang and that'll be suddenly everything will be okay and that'll totally. be it. Um, but that's definitely what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that to me, the thing that made the TVA the most terrifying was that they're like, we'll prune you if you get the wrong cup of coffee or any minor choice you make could be the thing that removes you from the timeline because it helps set off some uh, sequence of events that might cause uh, other timelines to occur. Uh, yeah. To me, it seems so capricious and so arbitrary. And that's the, that's the true nature of totalitarianism, that every decision uh, comes at the whims of whomever's at the top, which is, I think, why Kalen's right, that he would probably become a worse despot at the end. <laughs> Uh, Kaylin. For sure. It's very much like we see in a lot of different forms of fiction. Like if uh, anybody watched Babylon 5, it's the Vorlons versus the Shadows. You know, the Vorlons are, 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 are perceived as the good guys and the Shadows as the bad guys, but the Vorlons are all about order at like, you know, to a fault, whereas the Shadows are all about like, we just want to, they're almost like, they're almost like Apocalypse from, from X-Men, where they're just trying to uh, uh, have the survival of the fittest and breed a stronger uh, race of people. And both are wrong, really. And so, like, you know, you try to try to find a, a middle path between, you know, pure free will and, and pure order. Uh, Adam and Clark. 
I, again, I think this is a good discussion because it's making me continue to reflect on my point because now I'm like listening to how I've been talking about it. And I'm like, it sounds like it's almost like, well, I don't want to defund the TVA. I just want to, we should reform the TVA kind of idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, well, I don't you know. Squishy you squishy centrist, you squishy fucking centrist. <laughs> Pick no, a I'm, side, I'm saying we are. I, I'm now I'm HR, more like wait, educational we, trainings, right? <laughs> maybe I do want to be defunding the TVA. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning and I'm processing. I'm just listening. See, like, in, in, in theory, I don't think she should have done it because I, what I've already said, I mean, yeah. we're going to have a million worse ones, but in reality, it's going to be stopped. Good guys will stop it before it gets too bad. So everything that happens from now on is on her but it'll be good things happening after a little bit of horror mm-hmm. and also it'll bring us x x-men and fantastic four and all this shit so i guess it's good yeah. in in, <laughs> in our viewing of it it's great kevin feige is happy she did it because it's yeah. like years and years and decades of storytelling yeah. i think that re-watching that scene it made me very emotional just because i think everything was played very well but also i do think it it made her as a character feel much more Shakespearean that she's someone who kind of knows her own fate. Uh, And so for her to be still oblivious to the potential destruction she's going to cause, I I found that uh, very satisfying. She's so driven by revenge, like I said. So another kind of common theme that came up a lot was uh, religion. Um, You know, Kaylin, you kind of talked about it a little bit with the, bureaucratic devotion to the rules and order we also had some physical stuff like the kind of gothic architecture of the citadel um there's the um that kind of huge stained glass window behind kang that also appeared on the poster the fact that he ate an apple while he's dispensing knowledge you know um what did you guys think about this um you know as it related to the show is this show saying that uh, the God we believe in is a lie? Um, and, uh, you know, where does the medic, where do we fall on the metaphysical line? Uh, like how necessary is an evil to stop a greater one? Uh, I, I'm, oh, go ahead, Clark. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go for it, Kayla. Well, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with Clark a little bit here. For a show that has a, that is about uh, a member of a pre-Christian pantheon, I'm kind of done with Judeo-Christian like imagery. I just think I'm like, it's been done enough. Like there's, you have so, if you want to use religious iconography, you have so many like religions you can choose from that currently exist or no longer exist, like including Norse mythology. Like let's find different ways. Like let's stop being so lazy about it. Uh, That's all I'm going to say about that. It would have been cool to bring up maybe Egyptian mythology, considering one of Kang's altars is Ramatut, like his right. third main altar yeah. is. A, that great point. Egyptian. Great point. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, I, I, I already mentioned to you guys. If I ever see a villain eating an apple again, I'm gonna punch the television. <laughs> it is the most oh. cliched, bullshit, lame ass thing. Going it's back tired. to Garden of Eden and the fucking snake nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm Don't talk it. to but snakes Clark, anymore. Clark, also, what, if, yeah. what if the TV is eating the apple while that's you playing? Also. <laughs> The TV like knows and it's like, fuck you. Yeah, so I'm not just punching it, I'm beating it. <laughs> uh, in WandaVision, a TV was eating the apple. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in terms of the God is a lie, it feels more like it's accidentally saying like, God is dead, long, long live the gods. Like mm, bring yeah. a million versions up, which is a very interesting version of what religion would be, if that's the case. Yeah. It's like the um, new, what are they, what are they, the ones who, um, like the new Norse people who like believe in Norse mythology again? I don't know. There's is that a, you know, is that a, is that a <laughs> thing? And that's not Nazi. They call thing. it Norse play. They call it Norse play. And we oh don't think hey, send me that Facebook article. I'm ready to believe. Very cute. <laughs> um, uh, but going back to the actual cathedral itself, did you guys pick up on the, uh, the Kintsugi look? to the building um the japanese art of breaking bowls and then repairing them with gold lining um, oh yeah, i didn't but but i do that with all of my mittens i don't like <laughs> i always use different thread so i can show how like good i am at sewing 
Even though Mark, it looks you do that with everything. Though. Oh yeah, and I really yeah yeah. I tape up my own heart with a different colored string. Oh my god! I could not. If you have not uh, seen these uh, bowls, I actually highly recommend looking it up. It's Kintsugi. I think yeah. I just love it that it's the it perfectly matches the idea of this timeline uh, and trying to maintain some beauty to it, uh, even though it's something that's you know it's fundamentally had a flaw. Um, <clears throat> All right, let's move on. Um, so kind of in the last portion on themes, there's a huge amount of effort trying to make Loki's character arc interesting. And we've talked about how they rushed some parts of it and um, that maybe there might've been room for other people to get development. Um, is there anything you can pull out of Loki's arc for this show? Um, you know. This kind of seemed to be like most of where the production wanted you to get emotional beats. Like, how do you, what did you actually think of the romance with Sylvie? Um, any, and any other thoughts about the actual emotions for that character? Uh, Adam. I think it worked overall for me. I know it felt a little bit more Hollywood. The entire relationship felt a little bit more Hollywood and Rush than I would have overall liked. But I do think, like you said, Brent, I thought they played a lot of those scenes uh, really well. That was where their chemistry did shine. And I think to your point about where does Loki's arc go, I do think that this is now fully a completely different Loki than we've ever had before in the MCU. Cause there's not the, you know, grand purpose. There's not the conniving trickster. There's not the, you know, slightly reformed person that Thanos kills. This is someone who did experience kind of highs and lows on their own journey that we got to see. And now, like I said about, I'm really excited for, a season two, because again, I don't, is it really the Loki we know and love and characterize? No, but I do think that it's a relatively interest, interesting character, especially with the relationship he's formed in some of the episodes and like some of the characters this, this season. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see more. I, my biggest question is how the fuck does he go, if, how does he integrate it all back into a lot of his previous experiences, if at all, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. Dylan? Um, conceptually, like, you know, a, a narcissist falling in love with a version of himself makes a lot of sense. It's just the chemistry between the actors just wasn't there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but remember, I would kill a version of myself, not fuck them, unlike you four narcissists. Um, but um, the thing about this Loki, I rewatched the first Avengers recently, and um, I, I, w I finally understood the motivation of Loki. Cause I, I've talked about before where like, I was like, I like Tom Hiddleston. I didn't really understand his motivation in the first Avengers movie. And he just wanted to live up to something. He felt that by doing this, like he was able to in some kind of perverse way, show his foster father, his stepfather, Odin, that like he is uh, able to conquer just like Odin was in, you know, in, in previous eons. Um, and I think if they had somehow like kind of played into that a little bit more rather than just being about him and the emotional beats he saw when his mother was, when Frigga was killed, uh, I think I would have probably bought his character journey a little bit more. It's like his purpose now is to try to save the timeline or whatever it is, or to take over the TVA or like, you know, whatever. Like, it's like, I now understand this is my purpose rather than just conquering and maybe they kind of played into that a little bit but if i think if they had leaned into it more it would have made his character journey a lot more true right um with, with loki prime and let's just call him that i guess um i i would say that well, I, loki was fine we weren't confused okay great um <laughs> tom hiddleston um uh, uh i i wasn't offended by his uh immediate sort of turn or anything i i think it somewhat warranted it was a little expedited but it was fine um with sylvie's sort of story um the, a story came out recently that they were like uh we wanted to get more of sylvie's backstory but we didn't feel that it was okay and that does feel a little bit like marvel and disney just trying to backpedal a little bit just being like <laughs> no 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 no, no, no. And we, we can see through your PR team, but like, it feels a little bit that way. But with that said, I think I wanted just the rest of the cast a little bit more fleshed out. Yep. Mobius is very interesting. Um, 
all of the classic alternate variants of Loki are very interesting. Where's alligator Loki coming from? I would like to see a little bit more of all of that stuff. Um, if one character isn't testing well, and I'm sure Marvel did it, but like it just felt like I don't know why we didn't get more of the the supporting cast right. as a whole and their backstories. And I don't want to like a stupid flashback of someone working at an office building and they have a pen <laughs> that says because that's not backstory that is just plot that's just boring that's that's not fleshing out a character so i would encourage them to do that more and for that reason i would like to see them maybe do a little bit more episodes maybe and a couple of them not focused on loki prime which i'm calling him now um as the main figure brent what do you think i think that this the placement of this uh chronologically uh in in actual release time is probably what damns it so much i bet when if you rewatch these in cinematic or sorry in chronological order not cinematic order this is going to look like a more interesting story for that version of loki that really what we i think maybe we're expecting going into it was that we would get a story that would have an arc closer to what classic loki had you know, Richard Grant just storming around kind of angry at all the versions of himself wanting these, this pettiness, uh, uh, this fruitless exercise for power. To me, he seemed like, oh, that's the natural completion to the Loki we know. Mm-hmm. He's already well on that road, um, you know, but for his Thanos death. Um, Clark, what do you think? Um, I, I feel like it was a shame that we didn't see a Mobius with his, you know, like ski do or jet ski or anything. Like I, I, feel like I wanted to see the real or quasi, you know, whatever a real version of mm-hmm. the and yeah. him doing something. We got a little bit of Ravona being boring and you know having a college job, but I don't know. I feel like that would give us that would give me an emotional beat that I can connect with. Um, the other thing I was confused about, I don't like the fact that, I don't know, I just felt weird that Mobius was the only one except for all of the Lokis in like the world with Elias. Like what the hell happened to every other person ever who was transported there? Right. Oh, I, I thought yeah. uh, some of the uh, Lokis that he fought weren't, they weren't all Lokis. I thought some of those were just fucking guys that uh, were running around. They I thought didn't, they I, all just died off immediately because they just like could not handle it. Is what I'm saying. sure it drove you insane. Yeah, I mean, I, it was understandable. Yeah. That nobody would survive very long in that environment. And that chaos, quite literally. Yeah, and there literally there's a lot of chaos. them that died at the same time. Though we didn't see a damn one. Also, oh, like the I, immediate people yeah, that got yeah, pruned yeah. right then. Okay. You mean like the pilot for Thanos' like uh, helicopter? Anybody but Loki. All it's only Loki's that like are able to escape. Um, yeah. The other thing, I wish we got more characterization from those people on that boat. You know the boat uh, that just the, 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 the middle. The SS Eldridge. <laughs> so sad, boat people. Uh, do you know the Do you know the story behind that? Did we talk about that on the podcast? No, tell me, please. Uh, it was basically a reported incident uh, that this guy was describing, and I think it was in the nineteen. It was in the nineteen uh, hundreds where he said um, uh, that this ship disappeared and uh, you know seemed to have transported to some alternate dimension before reappearing. Um, but, uh, that guy was fucking crazy because he described the boat as being like near, uh, America and it was not there at all. It was perfectly well documented, but that (laughs) actual ship was a fun little Easter egg about like kind of the Bermuda triangle type occurrence. So they're supporting a crazy person who was incorrect. Yeah. He, and he was so wrong. He was just a wrong guy. Good job, writer. (laughs) Um, so in our last part here, let's talk about where things are going. Um, you know, at the beginning, I joked about how convoluted this is to describe to people. What do you guys think about how um, complicated these stories are getting more and more? And how do you think that might affect uh, being able to get audiences in to watch successive movies or, or TV shows? Caitlin? Uh, I'm really kind of glad that they're getting more complex. Um, I think they, the MCU is mirroring 
uh, it's, um, you know, the universe of a spawn from, from like the actual comic book universe. Uh, and these creators from Kevin Feige down to the directors, to the writers, to the actors, um, they, they, they're trusting the audience to, to be able to keep up with these concepts. Like it is not, these movies are not for the lowest common denominator. I don't care what, you know, Martin Scorsese or whatever some, you know, real director thinks uh, uh, about these movies. It's like they are showing pathos. They're showing complexity and plot. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, be able to, to see some shit that I never expected to see televised or filmed uh, based, you know, uh, from adapted from comic books. And I mean, there are people who didn't think the first Avengers was going to work. What do you mean you're going to have heroes from five different movies all coming together in this one movie? There's no one's going to no one's going to pay attention to that. No one's going to like uh, be able to understand that. No one's going to be able to watch all these other movies. And they did. And then they made them even more complex. And so I think uh, the ambition, even if it doesn't always succeed, even though Loki and WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, they had their flaws and they didn't quite completely like they didn't all completely work the ambition that showed in these shows and the direction that the MCU is taking makes me incredibly happy. Adam? Yeah, I mean, it definitely works because you've got our good friend Kevin in the driver's seat. I think there's, because there's someone with so much control at the top um, and because I think they have such a process to executing it, it's like almost like a somewhat good process that I think to your point, Kaylin, it feels like when you get a bunch of the different writers from comics in a room to talk about mega events or what's going to be happening in different places, what do you want to see? So I'm really excited to see them taking not only a new medium gamble with television, but also just really starting to experiment a lot more, both, both with how large the you know interconnected storylines they can tell, while also hopefully, and I'll, I mean, I, I think they'll be able to do this because it's, it's, I've been experiencing so far, I always said, it's like, as long as most of this stuff continues to just be generally like above average, people are going to consume it like fucking popcorn. So I'm not too concerned that there's going to be a major drop off because the only people who will actually end up really not liking stuff are like super fans who are going to fucking watch it anyway. And they just grit their teeth and complain the whole time. Like, I just don't foresee a Walking Dead-esque scenario where it just like lumbers on and collapses under its own weight. Um, it'll all come down to them following the money, but I think they're continuing to kind of rake it in. So I think it's going to keep paying off for them. Um, yeah, but if you kill Kevin Feige, there's going to be thousands of right. much worse Kevin Feige's happening. No, um, uh, somebody brought Zach up a good Snyder. point. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, it's funny you say that because I think um, now, like I think the bigger question or what would be more surprising is if there is a Marvel movie or tv show that is an abject failure mm -hmm. and we haven't had one really since maybe thor dark world which was eight years ago that was the beginning of phase two uh we've liked some movies more than others some shows more than others but they've all been above a certain level of quality to adam's point these are well-made movies and shows they are well acted they look generally really good um, you know, you're not going to have a Wonder Woman 84. You're not going to have a Batman v Superman. You know, you're not going to have these kinds of just like utter like creative disasters. Hey, don't count out Eternals just yet, Kaylin. We don't know what the fuck that's going to be. Uh, Ryan. So Marvel is basically just doing a TV show uh, seasons where each movie is one episode and you just keep <laughs> watching every fucking one. That is the way Marvel has composed it and it works. Um, and it makes you, you gotta catch them all, basically, Pokemon, like of the Marvel universe. With that all said, I do think I don't, uh, at some point they're gonna have a real big miss. And for that, I would like to ask you guys, what do you think would be a real big miss if they made this a TV show? Like, what what would be something that would be like, uh-uh, not into it? I mean, oh, well, no. I was thinking, what, like, we what, what movie What movie would be the probably the big miss? I think that if, uh, if people really love WandaVision and this and then hate Doctor Strange... That would probably be the first big disappointment. Oh yeah, good oh, point. that's a good one. I I think I think if they fuck up Fantastic Four, 
Yeah. Um, and it's the third time that like Terrible. they've screwed up Fantastic Four. And I don't think they will necessarily, but like let's just say the conceptually it just doesn't work on screen for whatever but, reason. But I Kaylin, think that would it, be if it doesn't yeah. work on the third time, and then they're like, let's reboot it one more time. Yeah, oh, just oh, one more fourth <laughs> time. <laughs> That's gonna be the fucking tagline for the movie. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Clark? Um, I think I'll, I'll attach it to what we're gonna talk about shortly. Um, in a next other related one, uh, Black Widow. I think they had, if they had a Taskmaster movie, that would be a big fail. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'll be Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers. But um, I think mine is Black Cat because we've already seen that Halle Berry movie as Catwoman <laughs> and it didn't pan out. It was terrible. I don't know. That is it Jed McKay? Is he the writer that's currently doing Catwoman, Black Cat? Black Cat, if, yeah. If they if they follow his storyline, it'll be fucking awesome. Um, well, I don't really have anything else to ask. Uh, Clark, you had something you wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to throw it up for final thoughts and anything the about the next the, the next phase, if you've got any extra things. Nope. We just need, we desperately need <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's yeah, really that like what it all comes yeah. down to. Yeah, like Sam Raimi cannot fuck that up, please. That, and that's a big gamble because I love me some Sam Raimi. I also hate me a lot of Sam Raimi. Agree, <laughs> bitch. Yeah. yeah. It needs yep. to be Infinity War or Endgame. It needs to be yeah. that at this point. We yep. need it. Well, that's been our review of season one of Loki. Uh, obviously, you can check out all of the other reviews of individual episodes on our regularly scheduled podcast coming out every Friday. Uh, thanks for listening and um, good luck uh, fucking yourself or killing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>